Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast, probably. If you want to hear from pastors, professors, and everything in between, right, sure. And, you know, the occasional train talk. Right, right, yeah. Uh, have we got the podcast for you? Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. I'm sure you've heard of the Ace and TJ show. Uh, today, we'd like to introduce you to the Dunce and TJ show. Um, I'll be your Dunce, Joshua Knoll. Uh, and this man here is uh, Tyrannosaurus Jaws. He'll be your TJ. Um, so, what's the Ace and TJ show? It's, it's like on 95.1 and stuff. It's like a radio show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we're Dunce and TJ. I just wanted to make fun of myself. I don't know. But uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Tyrannosaurus here, both Jurassic Park and Jaws, correct me if I'm wrong, both of those movies are actually based off of your life, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Guys, uh, this is the Whole Church Podcast. Thank you all for listening to me ramble about dumb things and y'all getting the honor to hear the man who started it all. Steven Spielberg was just inspired by your birth. Yeah. A lot more inspired by the time I fought a giant shark. (laughs) (laughs) The time I brought dinosaurs to life. Oh, fun stuff, fun stuff. So before we jump in, uh, Tyrannosaurus Jaws, did you want to tell everybody what we need? Also, do you, do you really need anything? You wrestle... Royalty checks. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> please, if you would be so kind, consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, it really goes a long way, uh, because we don't make money doing this. At least not yet. Not until Spielberg takes over. Yeah. Uh, please follow us on social medias. We have all of them, probably. Just Facebook, look us up and Instagram, find out. Twitter. Yeah, we just released a Facebook Live video to follow up with uh, Chris Galloway. If you guys want to watch that, it's on our Facebook page. It's on my personal Facebook page. It's a bunch of places. It should be on our Patreon by now as well. If you want to find us there, it's patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Uh, also, if you have any questions or if you just want to talk or chat to the Don'ts and TJ show, you can email us at the Dungeon Teacher Show. No, you can't. But you can email us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Just the whole church, not the whole church podcast, at gmail.com. And is there anything else we need? Not really? No, not really. Yeah, we, we've been catching up on things that we need lately. It's been cool. Yeah. Quarantine yeah. does that to people, apparently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, happy pandemic. Hope everyone's having a good uh, apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whenever you email us, uh, make sure to include your favorite apocalyptic movie marathon watch list. We'd like to see it. Right. Might be interesting. Sharknado is 136. <laughs> All right, Jaws. Oh, man. So, yeah, we have a very special episode today. We're going to be talking about Genesis 1 and evolution and all the things that hot topic Christians think about. Yeah. Well, that's it. Hot they, topic. They Christians. only think about, you know, supernatural because they go to hot topic. Uh, then Genesis one. That's yeah. that's it. Yeah. No, it's a it's a big hot topic issue, especially for Christians in today's society. So we'll have fun talking about that. Um, before we do, we have our silly question of the day. But today I'm gonna let Tyrannosaurus choose one. I have two. So you can either let us answer. If you had to. Make any medieval weapon out of things only at work. Which weapon would you make and how would you do it? Or, you can answer the question, if you could take any one of your personality traits and make it a superpower, which one would it be? 
Yeah, so I'm going to go with the weapon question. And I'm going right. to let you answer first. Why me? Your question. All right. I would make a Warhammer. Mm-hmm. I would take a... We both work at Chipotle, for those of you who don't know. I would take a, one of our Guac Smasher. And uh, then I would take a bunch of our six pans and kind of melt them and fold them into each other. How are um, you going to melt them? Uh, my friend's a welder. At work? Well, no, TJ. No, you're going to make... You. You're going to melt them at work? Oh, do you have to... I'm not, you just have to do it from things from work. No. You don't have to do it at work. No, you, you have to do it at work. Oh. I don't think I could melt them at work. No. That makes it more difficult. I didn't know you were going to add rules on here. Well, if you could just... Rules suck. If you could just take everything and smelt it down, you could just yeah, that's cast you could make, a new you weapon. Make, yeah. Okay. That, that's fair. That's fair. In that case, I think I could take one of our shallow pants. We have, like, third shallow pants and, like, wedge it in there. Um, And then take one of our plastic lids, put it on top of the grill with that, and melt the plastic over it. So it kind of hold it together. Just still sticking right. with the Warhammer, but yeah. not as effective as I wanted it to be. Right. Yeah. So, that wouldn't work, but... Why wouldn't it work? It, it just wouldn't. We don't have time to tell you the many reasons that wouldn't work. It would wedge in there. No. So, uh, I would choose a spear. You always choose a spear. It's the easiest. Choose a different weapon. No. Please? No. You do spear, then do another one. Nope. Why? Not a reason to. Show me how to make a warhammer. Not feasible. Okay. How would you do your spear? So, uh, I would more than likely take one of our ladders. Okay. Break it. Alright. Just use the leg. Mm-hmm. And then scrape it against our concrete floor until it's sharp. That That's it. Then it's a spear. You know, I think with the things that work... You could make a tiny flamethrower. That's not medieval. Nope. But I think you could do it. Sure. I don't know why you would, but you could. Sure. You can make a catapult. Ooh. Fuck how? We don't, don't have, have time. time. Okay. All right. Well, that was Silly Questions with uh, Josh and TJ. Tune in next time to hear TJ ask a silly question. And Josh sing a silly song. Or Larry. So, somebody. Larry. <laughs> okay. So um, let's jump right in. Tell me about Genesis 1 and why you believe evolution is the devil, TJ. Right. Uh, so if you look at the ancient language of don't worry about it, <laughs> it evolution directly translates into devil. Oh. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Tune That's in it. next week. <laughs> okay. In all, in all seriousness, we did, I, or we, I, I guess, yeah, we did a lot of research on this. Um, mostly me. TJ's our speak, spokesperson. Speaks I just do a people. lot of... I do a lot of research, and TJ tells me I'm wrong, and then we correct it until TJ goes, that's okay. He says it just like that. He's like, mm, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I try to do a lot of research on this one um, because it is such a big, big issue. And uh, one of the most interesting things we found was, what's the dude's name? Epicurus? Yeah. I, I can never say that correctly. So going way back, early church, there was... A lot of players going on, but uh, those people are familiar with on the Greek side would be what? Plato and Epicurus. Epicurus, yeah. Epicurus? Yeah. All right. Someone's going to remember that name by the end of this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did we learn about those, TJ? Uh, well, I-, I didn't learn that much. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, historically, the church would respond to these early Greek philosophers uh, in... This is not easy to explain. Thanks, John. <laughs> so what, what the Greek philosophers were talking about, let's start there, and then I'll let TJ take over, because he, he seems like he's ready from that point. But uh, Plato believed, the Greek philosopher most of us are familiar with, that all matter was eternal. Matter had always existed, will always exist, just changes forms. Basically what Plato believed. Right. Epicurus? Yeah. Epicurus believed that all matter came from very, very tiny things called atoms. Yeah, he, he even called them atoms. Yeah, he came up with a term. Yeah. Crazy. Which was back in like, what was that, like, somewhere between 1 and 380. Something. Way, like way early on. And, uh. Very long time ago. Yeah. His theory was that these atoms collided and created the universe. Um, what was interesting, it's not in our notes, was that he did say he doesn't have any opinion whether or not there were gods. He just, his problem was that he didn't believe the gods ever interacted with matter. Matter always existed. The gods always, always, always existed. The two never interacted. That was his belief. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You sound like you were ready from there. Sure. And, and that's a lot like the modern hypothesis of the Big Bang. Yeah. Which is a prevailing theory among the science community uh, that says in the beginning there was a big explosion now they believe it was of energy and that energy became atoms and atoms became everything we have today yeah Yeah. but they don't believe that god caused that unless they do believe in god (laughs) but typically it's a theory that people use to quote unquote disprove god right right yeah um how did the early church handle Epicurus, Epicurus. Yeah. yeah, that word. So, the early church uh, responded. Uh, one of the fathers of the church, Oregon, Origen. I'm not sure. How yeah, I've never been sure how to say his name either. It's I read probably, it a lot, but I never like. No, probably Origen. Uh, he. Origen, talking about the yeah. origins. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he referred to that theory as ridiculous uh, when you think of the great diversity in nature. Yeah, he was, um, basically, his problem was the same thing making up everything, and matter just always existing, why would it just choose to form what we have today in such a diverse matter? Most things, like water, I think was one of the things he did an example of, tend to, most matter, do the same thing, acts the same, right? If you put a bunch of water in one spot, it will likely go to the same place. If there's a dip, there's a hill, it's going to go there. That was basically his argument, is it's ridiculous to think that all matter would just exist on its own in the way that it does, because what we see matter doing today is like does like like. If all matter was the same, it would have all done the same thing, basically what he thought. Right. Um, there are some problems with that theory, but... Yeah. yeah. His response was, gravity. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he also did not prescribe to a literal interpretation of Genesis, uh, saying that it ran counter to history and reason, that it was created in seven days and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of the few... He had, yeah, I forgot what his theory was. It, his theory was kind of crazy, too, but came up with something that he thought fit a little bit better. Um, another early church founder 
who didn't necessarily believe in a literal creation like that was uh, St. Augustine. If you've read St. Augustine's Confessions, you probably already know this, but he believed that the light in Genesis 1, that it said, you know, light came evening and night, first day, evening and night, second day. He believed that that light was an angel, and an angel would come each day the angel came, the angel would come back and report to God, this is what I saw. So he didn't believe it was a literal seven days or six-day creation, but he did still believe in a young earth. Right. And uh, pretty much every major figure in Christianity from early church to medieval church all believed literal six-day creation, young earth. Right. Because mm-hmm. there's very little reason not to, other than one guy came up with a theory about atoms once, and they went, matter can't create matter. Next. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, modern fathers of the church, all six-day. Uh, Charles Darwin's theory of evolution, uh, you know, the devil in that language no one needs to worry about. <laughs> uh, in an argument that all matter came from itself and self existed, uh, has been what has recently challenged the idea of a literal interpretation of Genesis. Yeah. The biggest difference is Darwinism is imperial science, whereas Epicurus's ideas were just philosophy, right? Right. And today people value science mm-hmm. pretty much more than everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like its own god. Right. But, uh, so his. his what, as a biology major, what can you tell us about evolution, TJ? So, as a biology major, the evolution we can see in the real world is not... It's not that we can't prove it, it's that it takes too long. What we can witness in nature is microevolution, adaptation. Uh, we can see in just a couple generations... Animals will change in small ways to adapt to their environment. Yeah, so there's two different things. There's microevolution and macroevolution. Microevolution we know happens. We do it with dogs all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone's really denying microevolution. I mean, some people might be, but for the most part, no one really does that. Macroevolution, the idea is that one species came from another, it's basically comes out of microevolution. People go, well, microevolution happened long enough. This would happen. Right. Which, uh, if you've seen Chihuahuas, I can understand why you would think dogs would eventually become rats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Once they find the missing links in between Chihuahua <laughs> and, rat. and Swamp Rat, <laughs> somehow um, they have to get bigger again, so... <laughs> they go back to bigger. Yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so... And they do find a lot of, you know, fossils and stuff that they say are these links, and they keep right. showing things, and... There's been a lot of challenge from the scientific field towards creationism in favor of evolution, right? Right. And uh, what I think one thing that a lot of people don't really realize, and this is just weird science, whatever, the biggest challenge today wasn't really evolution. And yes, that is a big challenge, but the biggest problem people have faced as creationists was geology started happening. Right. Yeah, people started studying rocks, mm. and not very long ago, probably two, three hundred years ago, they started using uh, methods of um, radioactive decay, and they were able to say, okay, we found this writing that says that this castle came from, you know, 1000 AD. 
Then they took that rock, aged it, and it was 1000 AD. And they went, oh, hey, this works. And they realized that it kept working. So uh, they used it to age certain rocks and certain fossils, and they believe the Earth is millions of years old based off of that. Um, some There's a lot of challenges to this. And there's a lot of challenges in favor of this. Mostly people will say... On you know the Christian side, a lot of young Earth people say, "Well, carbon dating only works for so long," right. which they'll retaliate with, "Okay, but there are other elements that last a lot longer than that that we have proven, and these dates seem to still work." And it is fairly new. Uh, yeah, carbon dating started in the forties, the nineteen forties. Yeah, not three hundred <laughs> years ago, <laughs> yeah. but that's when carbon dating was possible. You know. Not too long after Marie Curie discovered radioactive energy and radioactive isotopes. But there are problems with carbon dating that cannot be easily explained. Yeah, and that's why they use other elements to do the same type of dating. They believe it works to the best of their knowledge and the best of what scientists have been able to discover. It sort of works, Mm -hmm. which that's the challenge, right? We believe Genesis 1. We want to believe the Bible. Uh, for the most part, people have took a literal view of the Bible for a couple thousand years at least. And now we have this challenge of, okay, but scientists are telling us that the Earth is a lot older than we'd guessed it was based off of the genealogies in the Bible. That's what people who believe in young Earth, they use so-and-so, but got so-and-so, and they have all the ages of all these people. They go through that genealogy, and they say, okay, the Earth must be this old then, because Adam was created in that first week. Right? So it's about 6,000 years of what General estimate is a young Earth creationist using that method. So those two methods, science and young Earth creationism, clearly are clashing in this area, right? Mm-hmm. So there's um, well before we go any further, let me say, our goal for this podcast is not to say definitively this is the correct view. A lot of smarter people than me and TJ have tried to do that, and they all failed. This argument is not settled. Right. By anyone. Because you can't prove one of these. Yeah. Um, what our goal is, for me and TJ, is to come up with, how can the whole church be whole again, right? So we're going to say, how can we disagree and still be united? So we're going to look at the views that the modern-day church has to address this problem. We're going to look at some of the problems with each of you, some of the pros with each of you. And then at the end, we're going to come back to how that affects our other doctrines. We're going to go to our first, second, and third tier system. For those of you who have seen episode 14, if you haven't, stop now, listen to that, and then come back to this exact point in the podcast. Um, and we're going to discuss what Christians have to believe to be united, and what can we disagree on and still move forward. Right. That's our goal, not to argue one point over another, right? So hang in there with us. Uh, what I will say is our church that we're both a part of, because I don't want any confusion, have people... People have been confused by me talking about this subject before, so I just want to make sure we clarify. Our church teaches uh, a young earth, or it, it, it teaches this literal six-day creation. Most of our pastors teach a young earth. I know a few that still teach old earth. I couldn't find a uh, statement on our website saying exactly what the church believes about that. Um, me and TJ won't say what we personally believe on this subject, but I do want to let you know what our church believes. We fully support our church. I'll leave that at that. And we can proceed to talk about the other views, right? Correct. Okay. Here are, was it seven or eight? Seven main different ways Christians view Genesis 1, right? 
Mm-hmm. So we have the gap theory, which Chris has talked heavily about on the last podcast and the video we did. We have the day-age view. We have mature creationism. We have the flood theology view. We have the literalist view, or the classical view, you could say. Um, the literary framework view, and the Gilgamesh comparison view. So these are what we're going to be looking at today. So first, the gap theory. Take, take, us, take us from here, TJ. Tell me about the gap theory. Right. Uh, so the gap theory looks at Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And Genesis then I'm gonna, 1, 1 and Genesis yeah, 1, Yeah, Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2. Yeah. And, and I'm going to throw it back to Josh, because he knows Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I should let you do one of the other ones, I guess. Um, so Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning. There are several Hebrew words for the word beginning. Um, for now, I think it will suffice to say that the word they use for beginning would be the English comparison of starting the story off with once upon a time. It makes you think that the story is going to end with someone saying, the end. That is what that word does. We don't see a the end in this story, however. Verse 2 says, the earth was void and empty. Now, because they're separate sentences, the earth had existed, uh, then God did something with it. It implies some time happened there, whether it was a few seconds, a few minutes, who knows. It does imply that God created the earth, uh, then decided afterwards to do something. The words void and empty are typically used in Jewish apocalyptic kind of terms. It's uh, the earth was destroyed kind of stuff usually when you see those terms. Um, they use that to say, so between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, there must have been a story. Um, and the story they paint is that the earth had existed for millions of years, like scientists now believe. There was dinosaurs and stuff. And then God said, nope, destroyed it all. And then Genesis 1-2 happens. And everything else is exactly as it says. Um, now, th there are some pros with this theory. It, it does make sense of some of what the scientist, scientific community is saying today, right? It shows where the fossils came from. It shows the age of the earth. It takes serious the science and still doesn't dismiss the scripture and the Hebrew language, which, which I think is good. Um, the problem is there's a lot of assumption, and uh, I have a firm belief that in religion and the law, assumptions just don't work. You can't get by with an assumption. And science. Yeah. That too. And science, yeah. The other part of the yeah. theory. Yeah. Religion, law, and science. But uh, there's a bigger pro problem with that, right, TJ? Uh, there is. It's uh, something Chris talked about on the video. Right. Yeah. Oh, you, you don't want to talk about it? No. You said it was the most important part, so I thought you would want to say something about it. Okay. So, the, the important part of this theory that is not talked about is the fact that death did not exist until sin existed. Which means God could not have killed thousands or, I don't know, like 11 things in that gap, whatever you want to believe, yeah. their deaths could not have happened. Yeah. For there to be God destroying the planet, for there to be fossils, that implies that death happened before sin. The Bible's clear that death is the result of sin. So that, that does, doesn't add up. Right. Yeah. What, what's our next theory, TJ? So our next theory is the uh, day-age view. Uh, it looks at the word for day in Genesis 1. That's a yom. For those of you familiar with the Yom Kippur of Esther. Right. Yeah, same, same thing. Uh, the word here is used in other places in the Bible to talk about an entire age. 
such as the day of the Lord or the day of war, etc. People who hold this to this view will say each day here in Genesis 1 is also an age. The first age, the second age, and so on and so forth. The biggest problem here is the phrase that is repeated, evening and morning. Uh, a cr context clues would dictate that these days are meant to be 24-hour periods. Yeah, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Genesis chapter 1, read it. Um, <laughs> yeah, just read it. Basically, it says, you know, day one, and at the end of him talking about day one, it says evening and morning, and then it was day two. Seems pretty clear what the author was talking about, especially if you believe, like Chris, the plain meaning view of scripture seems plainly to be that, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, this is also uh, supported in a tertiary way uh, by the idea that God is eternal. Why would God's days be the same length as our days? So on and so yeah, There's but a lot of support for it. It, yeah. it is, it's, they take serious the Hebrew language, which is good. They take serious the science, which is good. Yeah, the, the, I think the really the only real problem with it is just that. It says evening and morning, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so mature creationism, which is... I heard this first when I was in theology class at Charleston, and I was like, wow, genius. Until I thought of a really obvious, wait a minute, it still doesn't add up, right? So mature creationism is, if you read Genesis 1, or Genesis 2... Clearly, God made Adam and Eve full-grown adults. So the belief in Genesis 1 is, why didn't he just make the earth a full-grown earth? Maybe it was already three million years old when he created, or however many million you want to believe. And he just created it that way, right? Uh, the big problem with that is just, God's not the author of confusion. So unless God also went, let me also create this earth with a lot of fossils in it. That'd be cool. Make them think there were dinosaurs. Good prank. <laughs> yeah, like... Prank of the decade, a, at least. I'm not, not trying to make the view a joke. It is, they're trying hard to take serious the view of science. They're trying to take the Bible still as literal. It's almost like really good effort. However, that that's a pretty major problem. What do you do with these fossils? And Unless you're going to say the fossils aren't that old, in which case, why give the science any leeway at all? But who is the author of Confusion? Is it a Q? Star Trek? No. Um, that crazy monkey-looking guy on My Little Pony. Stop. The Lucifer? The devil. Oh, man, I should have known that. Wow. <laughs> so you're saying it could have been the devil. I'm created. saying that... Can the devil create? Can the devil create? What a big... One of the theologians out there should email us and let us know. Right. Do you think the devil can't create... Email us your angriest rant about <laughs> why that couldn't have happened. Yeah, because that, that is what we'll have. And if the theologian hears this. Right. Yeah. But I'm not familiar with that view. So that's just what my first thought was. Yeah, wait well, a minute. <laughs> Some, someone could be the author of confusion. You know, someone who loves to tempt people and trick people? The devil. Yeah, even though he couldn't create... He could be causing something to happen to make the scientists believe that those fossils are older than they are, right. you know, whatever. But that being said, God again, created. Not, why not believe the devil the created radioactivity? Yeah, <laughs> which is just destroying stuff. So yeah, yeah. That okay. Um, the next one is the flood the flood geology view. I miss said that earlier. It's not theology; it's geology. Right. Duh. That makes way more sense. Basically, this view is that uh, the flood covered the whole earth. 
that affected the rocks, it affected fossils, it affected everything in such a way that it changed aging. This is backed in the Bible, sort of. If you notice, humans age differently after the flood, right? Right. They live for 900 years old, 500 years, and then slowly after the flood, they start getting less and less and less until at one point God says, 120, that's the oldest you'll ever get. Right. It's pretty pretty much true now. Yeah. Now, they use there, that to back. There is, however, the oldest person currently alive is 126. God needs to get on that. So. Yeah, he, he, we need to edit, footnote the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Except for this. I, I, I don't know if it says 120 or 140 or what it says. Right. Yeah, so I, I could have just been wrong there. It is It is a number, drastically though. shorter than yeah. Methuselah's. A lot shorter than 900. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. What? Charles Doctor said that he was so healthy he could live to be 200. Don't know. They were exaggerated, but it was a thing said. Don't know. Yeah. But, uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about the flood geology view oh, and yeah, how it yeah, affected yeah. aging. Yeah. But uh, the big problem with that is we have no proof in science that water affects how things have aged. Right. A lot of the things that we have found already, archaeologically, that they used to date, that were accurately dated, were destroyed by floods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The closest water gets yeah. to aging in modern science is erosion, which isn't aging, it's destroying. And that's as close as it gets. Yeah, so that doesn't... Unless you count submerging yourself and then you have wrinkles. So that view doesn't quite fit scientific knowledge of the day. But it does take serious the Bible. And it does try and take account for what scientists are finding today. So that is is one view people take. But then there's the classical view, literalist view, that just basically says scientists are wrong. Chris said that on the video very plainly <laughs> last week. You, you know, I asked him. I said, uh, okay, but scientists are smarter than me. They are. But a lot of people won't like this answer. They're wrong. <laughs> Which, that's a bit, for those of you who don't know, that's just a very Chris thing to say. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, uh, yeah, it's just a view that scientists are incorrect in their findings. The Earth was created in six days, 6,000 years ago. End of story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the beginning of the story. Yeah, the beginning of the end of the story. That, that end view, of the beginning of the story. Yeah. That view stays true to historical theology. Stays true to the Bible. Stays true to a literal interpretation. Takes scripture very, very. It treats scripture with a proper amount of respect. Literally. Yeah. The problems I have with that is again the the gap theory isn't wrong about the language in Genesis one one and one two, right? There does seem to imply that there was some time collapse there, even if it's just a couple days, even if it's whatever. The other problem with that view are the genealogies they use to date the Earth aren't... There's gaps in them, right? It doesn't give every single person. If you compare was it Second no, First Chronicles 3 and then Matthew chapter 1, you'll even notice in those genealogies, they skip some people. Because those genealogies in the Bible weren't given to say, hey, this is literally historically here. It's given to show a point. Jesus came from something. Here are some people you need to know where Jesus came from. These people came. Here's who they came from. And it's giving a backstory, not necessarily giving that. The Bible, the authors of the Bible didn't include the genealogies for aging. As such, I don't believe you can use them to properly age something. Um, 
So there's that problem as well. And there's something else on here, right? Yeah. So basically, even though it treats scripture with high respect, it's still missing a few things, right? Right. That you have to take account of somehow. And a lot of people who take that you have found ways to take account for those things. But we're not here to talk about all that. What's the next view, TJ? So uh, our next view is the literary framework view. Uh, it is, it, it's been around almost as long as the literary view. Can't talk. Uh, and it suggests that Genesis 1 was, is a poem and was meant to parallel itself to show how God created first, then gave everything order, for he is a God of order. Uh, while it is true that God is a God of order and not of chaos, uh, this theory still has its own issues. First, the parallel doesn't really make sense. Uh, the second day is supposed to parallel the fifth day in this. However, uh, the sky is made on day two, which parallels the birds made on day five, but water is made on the third day, and fish are also made on the fifth day. Yeah, so it's not yeah. a true parallel. No. If it were a true parallel, uh, the fish would have been made on the sixth day. Another issue with this theory is that Hebrew poetry was not written in parallels in any other form of Hebrew poetry we have ever discovered, which would be a lot of Hebrew poetry. Pretty All pretty of the Book of Psalms. Yeah. It's not done once in, what is it, 120? No, there's more than that. 129. 129, I'm pretty sure. No, because we're talking about 137. Uh -oh. Is it going to 150? Do we know? Is it 159? So, someone tell us how many, how many Psalms there are. Great theologians over here. <laughs> uh, the closest thing we have are the chiastic structures used throughout the Bible. Chiastic. Okay. Yeah, it's spelled weird. It's spelled incorrectly. That is not spelled. No, 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 I'm letting you know. <laughs> it's 150 exactly songs. No, they did not spell that word correctly when they came up with the word. <laughs> when they made the word, they yeah. did it wrong. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, chiastic structures are... are aren't poems. No. But they are used a lot in the Bible, especially in narrative, to make a narrative point. Um, a really good example is the Tower of Babel, right? Mm -hmm. It says, the people got together, and, and this is just at the top of my head, so forgive me. People got together, people decided to build a big tower, because the people wanted to make a name for themselves. God said, you should have made a name for me. He destroyed the big tower, and he scattered the people. So what you'll see is the first point, people got together. The last point, God scattered the people. And it kind of mimics that way, first and last, second, second, last. And the main point is what's in the middle, right? It's because they didn't make a name for God. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what the closest thing to a parallel in Hebrew literature is. We don't see that in Genesis 1. What we do see in Genesis 1 if we did see that in Genesis, what would happen is day one would mimic day seven, right? So if you're saying it's a, the, the type of parallel that happens in Hebrew literature, you're comparing God made the heavens and the earth to God rested. So mm -hmm. Those things don't really parallel. And then at the end, the main point would be day four, which, what is it, God made the sun and the moon? That's not the main point of Genesis one. So that's just not how Hebrew literature works. Um, now, it is true that God is a God of order, 
It works well with the rest of the Bible. It takes serious the idea that the Bible is literature and tries to make sense of it. All of that is good. Right. Yeah. But still has some problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's next? Uh, so our, our next view is the Gilgamesh comparison view. Uh, Gilgamesh being the great epic of Gilgamesh. Uh, Egyptian. Great story. Uh, God. Sumerian. Man. It's good stuff. Uh, but the view suggests that the story of Gilgamesh came to Egypt before the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, and the biblical story is meant to show the Egyptian gods were frauds and only the Hebrew god is the true god. Uh, while it is true that the copies we found of the epic Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh uh, <laughs> have been dated older than any copy we found of Genesis, uh, this does not mean it necessarily came first. Yeah. Um, it could have. It very well could have. But it, it, just because the oldest we found doesn't mean that it is the oldest. Right? That's right. still working off an assumption. Um, yeah. It is also true that the two stories are extremely similar in how man was created, how woman came from man, and how a serpent deceived mankind to sin and gained the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, both those things happen in both stories, and it is crazy how similar they are. Like, it is actually kind of weird. That would be an awfully large coincidence. Yeah, so I understand where these people are coming from, right? Right. Taking the Bible as literature very serious. Um, yeah, the biggest problem with it is that that's talking about Genesis 2, right? Right. That doesn't happen in Genesis 1. So what they try to do is say, because Genesis 2 mimics Gilgamesh, Genesis 1 must be an attack on Egyptian gods, which sort of makes sense. There is a god of the lights, there is a god of water, there is a god of all of these things in Egyptian times, but there's a lot of Egyptian gods. Yeah, but um, yeah. I think it's, it's still working off an assumption, mm-hmm. but it does take the Bible as literature very serious. And uh, the other problem that just I personally have if you read the rest of the Bible, anytime the Bible talks about another religion, it doesn't just kind of, it does, it's not passive aggressive, right? It's right. not like, yeah, some other religion. Yeah, it, it doesn't allude to the other religion. Yeah, it, it says, this is the name of the other religion. They worship this God. Here's how God made fun of that God. <laughs> yeah, right. like it's, it's, culture at that time wasn't known for being passive. They were aggressive. When one religion talked about another religion, they would literally have their God destroy the other God. Yes. Yeah. So, because there's no direct mention to the Egyptian gods, no direct mention to Gilgamesh, that seems odd for literature in that time frame. That's pretty much the biggest problem I have with that, actually. Right. Yeah. Um, now, it does take the Bible's literature very serious, and that's good. It takes the Bible serious. It's good. They try and search, they try and study. All of that is good. There just are still some problems. Right. Uh, there are some people who also try to compare Genesis 1 to the Babylonian creation myth, which is uh, the Enuma Elish. Wow, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm impressed. This view has the same issues as the Gilgamesh comparison view, along with some extra issues. Uh, it does not resemble the biblical creation story as closely as Gilgamesh's does. Uh, the scriptures they try to use to make this comparison are found... Much, much later on in the Bible. Like Ecclesiastes. Yeah. And the Israelites did not come in contact with the Babylonians until well after they were amongst the Egyptians. Yeah. So, a lot of extra problems with that view. But, uh, we still mentioned it. Yay for us. 
a lot of people who view one of these literary ones, from you know, the literary comparison, the Gilgamesh, the Inuma Elish, yeah, whatever, people who take the view, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them will then believe in theistic evolution, which is they still believe the Big Bang, they believe evolution, all that. They just believe that God orchestrated all of that to providentially create what is here. So they still believe in creation, they just believe God used evolution to create. Um, again, that's not everyone who believes these stories. A lot of people take the Bible as literature in one of those ways that we mentioned and still believe the earth is 6,000 years old and happened in seven days. Right. They just also are trying to look for the Bible as literature and understand it in that way. But uh, most of them believe in theistic evolution of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, TJ, that's that's the end. Or can we be done now? Can we go home? Uh, I can be done. I am home. You have several more things to mention. <laughs> Yeah, so at the end, TJ, what does what does being united look like? We have a bunch of different views people are juggling about Genesis one and the beginning of the earth and time time zero and crazy stuff. Right. How can Christians be united with one another if they can't agree on this? So what's important to remember about your view of Genesis one is that as long as you believe that God did create the universe out of nothing, uh, that creation is distinct from God, yet always dependent on God, uh, that God created the universe to show his glory, uh, the universe God created is very good, there will be no final conflict between scripture and science, uh, secular theories that deny God are clearly incompatible with belief in the Bible, the creation of the angelic world, and the creation of man in the image of God, then we can get along. Yeah. That's a list eight different views. Dr. Grudem, Dr. Wayne Grudem, says we all need to have these eight. If we have these eight, we can have unity. If we disagree on one of these, I can't call you my Christian brother, my Christian sister. We can't have unity in Christ. Right. Right. Like, if I believed for some reason that Mars and Venus used to be much larger planets and God kind of, like, smashed them together... And that's what created Earth. Well, that does not prescribe to the fact that God created the universe out of nothing. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. But uh, like the the belief that matter always existed from right. Epicurus. 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 Yeah. That that view is incompatible. Um, I, I do want to look a little closer at these eight for for those with questions because. These beliefs affect other doctrines, right? The reason we have to believe in these to have Christian unity is because without these, Jesus' death doesn't really make sense, right? If God didn't create the universe out of nothing, if matter existed without God, without any interaction, why do we need to be saved, right? Right. God could just decide to not punish some people he has nothing nothing to do with. He didn't create us. He doesn't have to do anything with us. But because he did create us, because he does have his own rules, he is holy, he either has to punish us or find a way to atone for our sins. Mm -hmm. It's the only way Jesus' death makes sense. That's why we have to have that belief if we're going to have Christian unity, right? Right. Um, Some of the others, creation being distinct from God, same same deal. Um, God created the universe to show his glory. Um, If God just created us just for fun, again... No reason to punish us. But if he created us for this intention, with a purpose, then there, he also has a purpose for how he interacts with us. And that, that's important. 
Um, there'll be no final conflict between Scripture and science. Now, that's a really big one, because if we can't believe Scripture, right, if science right. and Scripture disagree, it means we either have to say science is wrong, which means God is not a God of reason, and that's a whole can of worms I don't want to touch, or Scripture is false, in which case, how do we know Jesus died for us? How do we know anything about God? So, in, in the end, we have to believe that those two will not conflict once they're studied through thoroughly. What's interesting is, Grigel, so he wrote Systematic Theology, the textbook. It's a textbook used in pretty much any Protestant mm -hmm. seminary today. And he's, he blatantly says, he's like, yeah, most science seems to point to an old earth. Yet I and most Christians believe in a young earth. And uh, he just says, you know, if I, he believes if we continue studying scripture more and continue studying science more, we will discover that the two will lead to the same thing. Either we'll discover we've been reading the Bible wrong, and this is you know his words, not mine. And that there is an old earth, or we'll discover that science has been doing something wrong, and that the earth is actually really young. But in the end, there will be no final conflict. And uh, what what he says with that is, we have no reason to be afraid, right? Just because the earth is older, if you believe in a young earth, and we do find out the earth is older, that doesn't affect your salvation. It doesn't affect what God did. It affects how you read the Bible, right? Which is a huge deal. But it's not the end of Christianity as we know it. Right? Right. Um, again, his work's not mine. Just want to clear that up. Uh, secular theories that deny God. Clearly incompatible with the belief in the Bible. Because the Bible says God exists. I mean, that's uh, pretty, pretty simple. Creation of the angelic world. Um, and then the creation of man in the image of God. Because our importance to God is why salvation is important as well, right? Mm -hmm. So all of that, those eight issues, all boil back down to how our salvation is affected. So those eight issues are what we would call tier one, for those of you who remember, right? If you believe on the same on that, we can be united. Right. Some of these other issues, honestly, if you believe in a younger or older earth, that might be tier three. Now, if you believe in, uh, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Theistic evolution, as opposed to, you know, uh, traditional creationism, that might be a tier two thing. Maybe we can't go to the same church, but we can still be united. There is... What am I trying to say, TJ? I don't know. Uh, the fact is, there are important things to the doctrines of Christ in Genesis 1. And there are things that we can decide to disagree on and continue forward. Um, the big thing I think Christians need to know where to take their stand, right? Yeah. Going up and arguing with evolutionists about younger, old Earth isn't important. No. But it is important to argue, okay, but God started it all. Mm -hmm. That's the point we need to get across to the rest of the world, right? God started it all. Yeah. It is His Earth. Walking to a geology lab with a cardboard cutout on you that says... God created the earth 6,000 years ago. It's not really not really an important time to make your stand. Yeah, I do feel like we've been taking the argument to the age of the earth as opposed to who created it. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of Christianity has lost. We've been so wrapped up in the argument of age, mm -hmm. we forget the who. And while the age is important, the who is what's most important. Right. And if we're going to really stand together, if we're going to really try to 
sh- share the gospel with the rest of the world, that's where we need to stand together, is on who. Mm-hmm. And we still have these debates, younger, older, all of that stuff. Still, still talk about it. Talk about it amongst each other. But when we go out to the world, let's talk about who. Right? God, Jesus, those are the important right. things. Yeah, I don't care if you don't think the world existed until the minute you were born. As long as you believe God created it, that's fine. I mean, I still kind of care. I'd like to talk to you about why. Look, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna question that for a long time. <laughs> we probably won't be very good friends. But as long as you can confidently say you believe God created it the second you were born, that's enough. Well, yeah, it's the Jesus stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. But as far I as I don't know how he's gonna explain that. <laughs> As long as he believes, God did it. Yeah. As far as this topic goes, there there will be you know people that I just I probably won't be as close to people with some of these doctrines because I, I think they're kind of ludicrous. I won't say which ones, but some of them I'm like, well, that's just nope. But some of them I respect a lot, even though I don't agree with. And you know what? We just got to figure out where we stand with that. And most importantly, we got to remember who. At the end of the day, the most important thing is who. So, um, what are going to be the repercussions, TJ? When we all decide we're going to focus on who when we share the gospel as opposed to what and how. So, I think we will see a natural theological progression towards something. We can't even (laughs) understand what it would be because we've never, since we started, stopped to think. It doesn't matter how old the earth is I just we just need to agree on who created it so you'll think it'll bring something that we just have never seen before yeah revolutionize how we interact with one another in the world maybe hmm. could be big things people should consider that are you ready for the most important part of the podcast now yeah the train talk sure where I get to talk about trains uh-huh. the second podcast in a room yeah. there for a long time I didn't do it mm-hmm. so now, now I feel obligated sure so, um, amongst our uh, current apocalypse, last month, Amtrak got to start testing out their new train series, right? And it's the Acela train series. I want to make sure I, I said it right. They, uh, they're they going to be using it mostly in the northeastern part of North America. For those of you who remember, a while back on one of our train segments, we actually talked about a lot of people in that area complaining about trains that would stop cause a lot of pollution, cause a lot of noise in the middle of the night, and be a big problem. This is, in part, they're hoping that this series can be an answer to that eventually. Right now, it's just going to be for passengers. But they do think eventually they can switch it over to that, because it's an all-electric train. Um, it's a high-speed train. And it will be going from Colorado to New York. They believe it will reduce, per customer, 40% of each person's carbon footprint. footprint thank you. Yeah. Um, I forget that it will reduce accidents by some percent. And uh, the main reason they're able to do it is actually because, according to them, in the northeastern regions, train passengers have increased by 14% in the last year. Praise God. Yeah, more people are doing trains because of this podcast. For those of you listening, continue riding trains so that I have more things to talk about concerning trains. Mm. That that's really the biggest takeaway that you could possibly have from this. God created the earth on the seventh day. He said it was good, but it'd be better with trains. So he made that too. Yeah. 
Yeah. To the final. Yeah. And uh, speaking Genesis of one point five. Right. Speaking of Colorado and footprints. Is this still trains? No. Aww. Uh until pretty recently, the Colorado Avalanche, Colorado's hockey team, uh, had a big footprint on their jerseys. Now is it train tracks? Nope. I really want this to be about trains. It is. Carbon footprint, footprint, trains. It works. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, let me continue on trains. No. For a final, for a final, final thing. So I don't have to use this as my god moment. Actually, I'll use it as my god moment. That was it for train talk. You'll have a good, good night. Oh wait, no, I won't. I have a better god moment. I'm going to finish train talk with. So last night, uh, Tiffany, my wife, she likes to watch Forensic Files when we go to bed. I asked pretty please to not watch Forensic Files. I don't like Forensic Files. Bothered me a lot. Then we started it, and it was a train episode. Forensic Files were telling us why a train wreck happened, and I was like, whoa, it's crazy. And then the next episode, I was still a week for, was also about trains. <laughs> Just underground trains. So the first one was about a steam engine train above ground. And an accident happened. The second one wasn't about the train having an accident. It was actually about a fire that started in the underground railway that caught a lot of people. It was just, it was bad. They were both bad things that happened. Trains are usually safer, but in those two instances, they caused a lot of deaths. And it was, actually, the train didn't cause a death in a second. That's beside the point. I got to watch two episodes of trains during Forensic Files, and it made it less bad. All right. Are you ending train talk So, me? our God's <laughs> moment of the week. Alright, that was it for trade talk. <laughs> Every episode, uh, we end with our God moments from the week, or Josh likes to cheat and do like the past year and a half. Well, we do every other week now for the podcast, so I could, I could go back two weeks, right? <laughs> sure. So, Josh, uh, what would you say your God moment of the week is? It's of the week this time. Are you proud of me? Yeah. It's not about hockey. But, okay. I do apologize. You followed the rules. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, coronavirus is happening. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you were aware. Anyone told you about it? A lot of things are closing down, especially restaurants and stuff. Yeah. So, I, I think we've told the, the our listeners before. I worked at a Chipotle at a mall. And uh, because of certain circumstances, I ended up having to transfer out, lost some money in doing so, and I wasn't the happiest about it. But currently, the mall is closing down. And the store they transferred to me, me too, is not. So I'm still going to have a way to pay my bills. And it was just kind of a, you know, you still work at that one at the mall, which is yeah. unfortunate. Sure. And uh, Tiffany's work is going to be out for a week. And I don't know, it's nice to think that God was going, hey, they still have to pay their bills at some point. <laughs> and uh, at least one of us is going to get to work for the time being. I don't know if it'll keep up, but, you know, I'm thankful for that. So uh, praise God. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I would like to say my God moment of the week as uh, so recently I've been unable to use any money that I have, uh, more or less, just because there are issues with my card. They suspended it for suspicious activity. What this, were you that, doing? Went, nothing. It was suspicious activity. I'm suspicious. That was not from me. Oh. Yeah, it's act. That's oh. what suspicious activity is. Okay. Yeah. Well, usually for mine, when they close my card because of suspicious activity, it's because, like, hey, why are you in Georgia right now? You didn't tell us you were going to Georgia. Bank, I don't have to tell you when I go on vacation. Yes, you do. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, your story. My, my, sorry. And uh, I was talking to some friends, and they were like, hey, you should come over. We'll have a game night. 
Like, I don't know what to tell you guys. I can't afford the gas to get over there. And uh, I just believed that until later that day. I picked up my wallet and there was just money there. Cool. So I did. I was able to afford to go there and then come here. That's nice. Yeah. I still gotta get you guys. Watching out for the little things. You know what? Ecclesiastes 4. I don't remember what verse. I was talking about it with Chris the other day. God, God's talking to the Jewish people after they came back from a long exile. And he said, uh, don't spy the day a little. And I think that's that's where we're at right now in America. You know, a lot of bad's happening, but we all, we all need to remember, right? The little things are good. We still need to take time to appreciate them. Thank God for those. And just try and be happy. Right. So, our God moments of the week. Feel free to tell us yours right now. We didn't hear that. Could you email it to us? Right. So, if you would, please uh, email that to us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening. Please yeah, um, consider supporting us on Patreon. Please follow us on our social medias. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Is there anything else? Who's coming up next on our podcast? We're going to keep doing this series. Um, I hope to get Father Christian Cisco's back. Uh, I think Chris and his son are going to be doing a podcast soon that I'll, I might be featured on, and I'm trying to get them on so we can ask them about their podcast. And um, I think we're going to have Chris Brissy and them. Hopefully, we'll finally do that ages on the podcast. We're going to be seeing them soon, hopefully, because uh, you know our campus training. Although they're not doing it next month, but they'll probably Can't. do it eventually. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we have to mention one very important guest twice. We forgot to do it last week for the first time ever on this podcast. Who's going to be the end of this season, TJ? So at the end of the season, we'll have Francis Chan. Wait, what was that? I didn't hear it. Francis Chan. Okay, we said it twice to make up for last week. I'm pretty sure we did say it. Did we? It just wasn't at the end like usual. Okay, well I'm excited for the end of the season when we get to hear Francis Chan. Yeah. Just All right. Uh, if you want to continue listening to our 10-second segment, where both of us are going to try and summarize the entire podcast in 10 seconds, you're going to have to go to patreon.com for right. the whole church podcast. And you're going to have to give us a small or large sum of money. But for now, toodles. What's, what's something weird I could say to toodles?